with David Ian and Kate Dale. The show that plums the depths of mediocrity, celebrates the ordinary, and enjoys the everyday. Hello everyone and welcome to Mediocre Gay. I'm Kate Dale. <laughs> and I'm David Ian. Uh, so we thought we'd do, we've had a few guests over the last weeks, but um, and I think it's been absolutely fascinating and hopefully interesting for you all uh, listening to them. But we thought we'd take some time out just to reflect a bit on some of the themes that have come through and maybe think a bit more about what we want to celebrate and maybe lift from just being taken for granted a bit. Yeah, I think there's been, it's really interesting actually, there's been some themes coming up in what people have been discussing. Infrastructure. Lots of building and things that yeah. need to be built. Uh, and a lot of TV, which has really surprised me. But then when I thought about it, it makes total sense. It does make total sense. It's, I think, especially the TV, sort of the everyday TV that we love. And we'll all have different ones of that maybe, but it's just kind of part and parcel of everyday life. And yeah. I think it's been seeing it's the sort of TV that isn't the uh, appointment to view type big stuff. It's just been the... Bread and butter, obviously. Stuff, food has also been an issue. Food, or a theme. Yeah. Yeah. Well, for us. For yeah. us more than everybody else. Yes, I'm yeah. um, So, like, I've mentioned it quite a lot, I think, in the podcast periodically, but I'm obsessed at the moment with the Golden Girls. Absolutely obsessed. Um, and I feel like that's something that other people, I mean, obviously, like, all gay people, all gay men, <laughs> generally at a level, uh, have an interest, I guess. It's like a stereotype. But I think a lot of people would think that's mediocre. And I just think... It's such an epic TV show. It's so important. It talks about women and sexuality yeah. at a certain age. It deals, like, given when it was on TV, it deals with, like, body issues, racism, sexism, sexuality, like, so many different things. But most importantly, um, it features Betty White. And uh, I think that's, um, like, vital. Absolutely vital, and the world needs and needed more Betty White than it ever was allowed, God I think. rest her soul. And before we get into, I think, particularly her performances and what makes them so special, um, I think I started watching it because David was banging on about it again. So I went back and rewatched, and I'm still working my way through. I'm only on season two, so it's lovely. I've got it all to come again. And I do remember it when it first came out on Channel 4, I think it was in this country back in the, yeah, that's right. in the 80s. Um, was too young of teens, I think, to really appreciate quite how groundbreaking it was. But looking back on it now and and, hear, and seeing from the very beginning how, as you say, older women being incredibly sex positive, being very open about their sexuality and in all sorts of different ways and lots of things has been incredible. And I think what I'm really appreciating, this has got very serious, but what I'm really appreciating is the quality of the performances because it's quite funny looking back. TV now is so fast and epic and everything's big and and overblown that the actual plots and we were saying this the other day is it's either spoiler alert family member coming to stay and it being awkward one of them dating somebody and it's being awkward it's very um everyday sort of stuff and they're kind of the same stories it just rotates through but it's the quality of the performances and the conversations that happen around that that really bring it to life um and there was uh, something I was listening to on the radio just this morning, actually, which was quite fortuitous. But there's a writer, Stefan Golachewski, oh, uh, who wrote, there's a recent series, drama series, which I haven't watched yet, called Marriage. He also wrote Mom and Him and Her. 
and he was talking about um, everydayness, and he had some quotes. And all of those shows are kind of like they're about the everyday, aren't they? Absolutely, and he was sort of calling out for more of that and saying that need for people to be able to see just the reality of their daily lives on television rather than yeah. it being something big. And there were a couple of things I think that really applied to Golden Girls. He talked about story is what happens to people, plot is a distillation of that into a shape, but that plot shouldn't overwhelm the story. Whereas you look at a lot of TV happens yeah. now. It really does. Um, and he refers to a lot of what he calls junk food TV. Actually, what I really liked, he said, plot is to story what burger is to cow. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it, the story should emerge from the characters, which it absolutely does with the Golden Girls. But there was something, and it wasn't him that said it, but in the package, you know, the radio package around it, they were characterising some of the recent sort of hit dramas that have been on TV. And they said one was... Um, about an Irishman who wakes up in the middle of the Australian outback uh, without a memory, which I did watch and I've forgotten the name of, and it's what's his name, Jamie Doran is in it. What was it called? No idea. It was good. And then they talked about, and I had a slight issue with this, um, a landed lesbian in Victorian Halifax, which was... Um, so, uh, so... Gentleman Jack. Gentleman Jack, thank you. And Suzanne, what's the name in it? And I slightly issue with the way Saran they just Jones. Jones. Thank you. Gosh, I <laughs> <laughs> didn't even watch it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Which I mean, I did really enjoy, but I think there's something they were being a bit titillating by. I mean, that is what it is about a landed lesbian in Victorian Halifax, but there's some that is so inclusive and representation. I think that one was important, but they are all big, they're all overblown, and I guess they don't really speak to the modernity of our and everydayness of our lives. Whereas I think the domestic setup of Golden Girls did, but to make that work, the quality of the performances, because you can't rely on fast editing and big stories and explosions. Yeah. And I think I will let you speak in a minute, possibly. Imagine. Imagine that. Um, when we were talking about the soaps that we liked, I think we all, I think in those, talked about not so much liking the ones where it's a big tram crash or the explosion or the plane lands on top of the village or whatever, which I know they do from time to time to wipe out the buildings and characters. It's far more entertaining when it's that everyday little moments that come to life. I think it is right that it does rely on really good character development, both in the writing, but also in the performance, which is really evident in something like Golden Girls. One of the things I love about Golden Girls, though, is it, it's, a, it's a format that's really easy to understand. You know, the same thing happens very often. Um, basically, every episode, they eat a cheesecake and solve a problem. Something I can relate to. I mean, it's, you know, the only difference is I tend to do it alone. I don't need, <laughs> don't need three people to help me eat a cheesecake. Um, but yeah, the, I mean, I have to talk about Betty White for yeah. like briefly. Um, just an incredible comedic, a brilliant actor, full stop. But the comedic timing of that woman, I don't think I've ever seen anything so perfect. And I really think Golden Girls, I, she did loads of stuff and it, you should really go and like ha watch some of her stuff online and, and things like that. But I think her in Golden Girls is her at the absolute pinnacle of her comedic abilities when she is telling stories about what happened in St. Olaf. And the rest of the character, like the rest of the of the cast are struggling to hold in their laughter and she is just there waiting for the right moment to finish it. I mean, it's so awe-inspiring incredible there's a thing she does as well where she's either working at when the girls are laughing at her or, or calling out and she said it takes the penny to drop and and you can see, you can see the, the penny, penny dropping, drop but it's not clunky oh. and i think actors acting penny dropping it becomes very 
um, don't quite know what that was. I'm so not an actor, but it's you, but you can see what she's seeing in her head. You can see her her, in, her internal life is yeah. so vivid. It really is incredible. Um, and my favorite like fact in the whole world is the fact that sliced bread is the greatest thing since Betty White because she was born before a commercial bread slicing machine was invented. She was born in 1922. And I think sliced bread, commercially available sliced bread was 1928. So she is technically, sliced bread is technically the greatest thing to happen since Betty White, which I just think incredible. I mean, my slight query about that is I'm not sure that sliced bread is actually that great. Well, no, me either, but that's and the saying, isn't it? I would it? rather so have Betty that. White than oh, sliced so would bread. I. No, I don't want a sliced though. Um, no. I mean, but I did. I bet you probably, did you watch Hot in Cleveland? No. It was a TV show that she did. I think it was like six series of it. Um, and she was in her 90s when she made it. She was supposed to just be in the pilot episode. Uh, she played this Polish older woman that was ba- like these three women crash landed in Cle- crash landed the plane, ended up landing in Cleveland. They end up staying. And the house that they rent, I think, um, she ends up, Olga, her character's called, she's like comes with the house. Uh, and she was just supposed to be in the pilot uh, because she didn't want to commit to doing a series. But they loved her and she loved them. And yeah, in her 90s, she was earning, I think, $200,000 an episode of this TV show. She was one of the highest paid TV on Amer- women on American TV in her 90s. I mean, what can you say? Incredible. That talent is still there, I guess. And it's just extraordinary. I think something else that Stefan said in this interview it was this morning. It was very fortuitous timing, wasn't it? But I think this plays into the Golden Girls as well. I think it's easy, you know, we look back at it's so 80s in the fashion, slightly obsessed with Dorothy's, I don't even know what to call them, tops. Yes. Very blousy tops. And so long, so though, long. right? I yeah. Know, and it's just it's like, such an yeah. interesting fashion. But And the pastel colours in the hair and the makeup and everything, it's so, um, it's so of its time. And I think it's easy to see it all as quite kitschy, but it's, it's not, there's something underneath it. And that ties in with... Uh, something again that Stefan Kuczewski said about so much these days has to be kitsch. There's a fear of absolute emotions. We can't be absolutely serious about allowing anything to be taken seriously. And mm. I think there's something in that. I think, and I absolutely play into that. I will be kitsch for everything and I love kitsch. And the idea of actually sitting down and allowing ourselves to feel seriously about something, which doesn't mean it has to be serious. Golden Girls is funny, but it's, but you guess, can be serious about how you feel about it. Yeah, we don't have to love everything ironically, which is slightly undermining ourselves because I guess that's part of what Mediocre Gay the podcast is. Is it isn't though? It? Really, it's about just embracing, in, yeah, embracing the truth in it, isn't it? I like. I don't think if we're going to do, we we're doing this episode, I guess, about TV. I suppose. Um, I don't know that anybody necessarily thinks it's mediocre that that has properly watched it, um, but something else that is on TV that I think is very powerful. Uh, where it is the power of the characters and actually this to be fair the story as well but nothing massive in the story I suppose happens but that's Shit's Creek uh, yeah um, which I think is possibly one of the greatest things to have ever been oh, created um, just an epic thing so interesting because the first four episodes are one of the hardest things you'll ever watch on TV because you hate everybody because the characters need to go on a journey so they mm-hmm. start as this really unlikable group of people like us <laughs> <laughs> we haven't gone through the journey yet <laughs> uh but um just amazing yeah. like character development and but the, it's their everydayness their relatability which is insane because they're like these insanely rich people who lose all their money and their lives seem so out of sorts with yours but so relatable i had to 
be really encouraged to watch it at first because I watched the first one and I thought from reading the premise that it was going to be taking the, the piss out of hillbilly types or whatever, yeah. rich people laughing at poor people, which it Isn't never it? is. Um, but yeah, you still have to get through them and then you just fall in love with all the characters and just also one of my best ever Halloween outfits was dressing up as Moira doing the crows. Indeed. And um, the crows have eyes too. The crows have eyes, yes, the crow awakening. Um, and I just want to make crow noises, but I'll try and avoid doing that. But yeah, absolutely. But it's the everydayness, but the absolute believable. Also, that's a really easy Halloween costume. <laughs> I hand sewed every single crow onto that costume myself. Oh, really? Yes. I ordered them six months before, had an argument with somebody else who was going to go as that to a Halloween oh, party to defend my dentry, and then hand sewed and glue gunned crows and feathers. This is why I can't bear Halloween. Um, yeah, and we were talking about Halloween recently. I kind of love the idea of Halloween, but then get complete fear over the fancy dress. But I think it's possibly easier for me because there's less pressure on me as a saggy old woman. Don't, to have to look don't good. say saggy old woman. I mean, I'm just going to leave all of that on the table. Um, <laughs> like, no. I, do you know what? Actually, the fear of being mediocre, I think, is why I say I hate Halloween. Yeah. Because... I don't like to think I would make all that effort to dress up, put on a costume, come up with an idea, and it just looked terrible. If you're a really attractive um, guy or girl and you can just, like, wear a pair of pants and some wings or some bunny ears or something like that, or, like, or cat ears or something, then your job is easily done. Like, in October, the internet is just full. Like, Twitter is just full of gay guys with their um, Halloween costumes, which is basically nothing. Whereas someone like me... That's the same as normal Twitter. Every other true, month of the year, just true, but they class, but it's, on. Yeah, it's classed as Halloween. Um, but And then there's all this thing of like, oh, it's like gay Christmas and you're all supposed to love it. And, that, and I just find the pressure way too much. And I just think like, this is where my mediocrity would really hang out. Because of just, I, any kind of dressing up. Like Mighty Hoopla Weekender, when you have they have a theme and you have to dress up. Like, it's so stressful. I have to say, when I went to the first... Uh, gay Halloween party, the, yeah, and I think I thought I could get away with, I can't I went as cat ears. Oh, no, I went as black swan because I happened to have a black tutu. So, again, very easy and then just, and I'm quite rubbish at makeup anyway, so I could do the big black eyes really easily. The artistry that some people went to, I mean, absolutely yeah. incredible and phenomenal um, and quite beautiful to see really in some ways. But, yeah, I was like, oh, it's a whole other level. And then I avoided going to a Halloween party the next year because I didn't have time or the creativity, or the talent, or the vision to do any of that. That's the thing. If you're not that kind of person, then it becomes like a real cut, like cut-off point, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah, very Or stressful. you have to have the confidence to say, well, I'll do what I'm going to do and not care. But I think, again, because yeah, I'm not, not going to something like that. <laughs> no. Uh, it's different. I think any effort I make is sort of okay, whereas you're held to a higher standard. I don't know if that's true, but I guess in my or head you it feels. Yourself. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. But then you look at other people and you just think, God, they're so amazing, like so creative. I can't. I don't even have the idea. I am quite a creative person, but creative in a different way. It's that visual creativity I can't do, and I can't think of. And then to I can't make, work out how it would even look. Saw somebody because there was somebody who did a voodoo girl costume, and it was just. The most incredible oh, thing. costume? Voodoo doll. Oh, right. But sort of all stitched together, but the stitch, they're making I thought you said of... voodoo girl, and then there was a, um, there was a song, like, about 10, 15 years ago, I'm your voodoo girl. I don't know. Anyway, that was in my head. I've realised we don't have the same musical background. So, there you go. There that you was... go. Anyway. Yeah. So... <laughs> I can't, I can't, I think it was an Australian thing. I think someone from Neighbours 
had a song called Voodoo Girl, Voodoo Doll, something like that. I don't know. I'd love to say I will look it up and put the link in the show notes, but I'll forget and you'll look in the show notes and there'll be nothing there. Yeah, I really must get back to doing those show notes. Mm. Anyway. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> what else is mediocre? Oh, our admin. <laughs> our admin is incredibly mediocre. Um, Mediumin. No, that doesn't work as a portmanteau word. You don't have to portmanteau word. I do. Yes, but... okay, yes. But yeah, the thing about Shit's Creek, obviously, is the messaging behind it is so important. The whole idea where Dan was trying to write a show that dealt with homophobia without there being any homophobia, but also misogyny and things like that, like all being addressed without being shown. Very powerful. Yeah, I remember one of the things I read about it was saying that in any other show, Roland, is it Roland? Yeah. Yeah, would have been a creep somewhere, would have hit on somebody, would yeah. have been, you never see any of that, he's in love with his wife and they're just in love. And and I think that's incredibly positive. And again, something else with that radio thing this morning, they talked about, oh, there's uh, too many shows that have big messaging and the messaging is signalled and that overwhelms the story and it didn't with Ship's Creek. It was a story that happened to have messaging within it, but it wasn't whatever uh, Dan's... I love how we're talking about Dan. As if we know him. As he is, clearly Hi, friend. Dan. Thanks Hi, for being Dan. a listener. <laughs> Come on any time. Absolutely. You're welcome. We might even let you do two episodes. Um, uh, the messaging is in there, but it's not about the messaging. It's um, There is a story. There is character. There is character characters beget the story there is a plot there and there is messaging wrapped up in that but it is not a it's about showing you a world that you'd like to see i think isn't it um one of the things i love about it is i feel like the characters get space i don't know if that makes sense but they get space that you can really see them i think ultimately it's a show about being seen i'm sure loads of people would disagree with that i think for me that's what i take from it it's a show about being seen um the most powerful thing in it, like the thing that I want to say haunts me because it had such a profound effect on me was there's a moment, spoiler alert, pause now if you've not seen it and you're going to watch it, but there's a moment um, where there's the talent show and they were, and like Patrick sings um, simply the best. And it's like a really beautiful um, version of it, which you can get on iTunes and Spotify and that, and it's really adorable. Uh, it's really great. And um, someone is, uh, Patrick is singing it to David and someone is talking to Moira. I can't remember who it is. Probably Jacqueline. I'm not sure. I think it's probably Jacqueline um, talking to Moira and Moira says something along the lines of that she can't like, not now, like basically she's witnessing someone really seeing her son for the first time. Um, and as someone who uh doesn't necessarily feel very seen the fact that he, his mum was able to acknowledge that and that it was important to her that he was seen like it was a really overwhelming moment for me it changed huge amounts in my life and how i saw my relationships with other people my relationship with myself what i felt i was looking for in the world yeah, I think ultimately that show is about being seen in a whole like load of different levels, and it was incredible. Oh, you're making me quite emotional. I know. I'm like, that's why I paused before I said it because it's like, oh, I don't know if I can say this. Honestly, there's very few things on TV that have really had the impact that that 30 seconds had on my life. And when I just realised that I was in a position where I wasn't being seen, and 
and I didn't know if I'd ever really been seen and um how much it meant to his mum. I think that I think the revolution revolution revelation for me was that it was also important to other people that David was seen. Not just David. Oh. That's interesting. And we had um neither of us have have children but had a conversation recently about um I feel like I spent a lot of time in podcasts saying oh yesterday we were talking about we yeah. just never see each other apart from when we're doing the podcast um about about um parents and how difficult it is for them if their children are unhappy and you're only as happy as your unhappiest child and yeah and all the rest of it but that's a real example for that and Moira and um oh god I forget everyone's name today the dad uh as flawed as clearly and self-absorbed and self-focused and self-interested as they are, that pain they have of having two children who have found their own struggles in life and found, I guess it's that moment as yeah. well. And their relief yeah. that from that, at that moment, she knew that David was probably going to be okay. And the thing is because it, she's such a comedic character all the rest of the time, yeah. that that makes that one moment stand out so much more. It's so important that all of the rest of her nonsense, yeah. you know, disintegrates away. It, it's as far from mediocre as possible. But I, when you talk to somebody who hasn't seen Shit's Creek about Shit's Creek, I do think that they would think it's mediocre. Even just the name makes it sound yeah. like it would be, oh, it's just a punny show. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it's incredible. I also, think it's so powerful. Do you love the way she says, David? And I love calling you David. Yeah. Even though I probably don't sound anything like it. You don't. But I everybody do. around me thinks that they do, but none of you do. You all I think know. that you've all got it down and you haven't. But that's okay. I, I'm going to implement a policy, which is that you can only do it if you can sing all of the words to a little bit of Lexus. So you're censoring me? Not you, everybody around me. You can okay. only do it to my face if you know all the words. I mean, David... Have you thought this through? Because that means you can have an awful lot of people singing a little bit of Alexis to you quite badly. Fine, but as soon as you get one wrong, one word wrong, then the axe comes down. Ball bearing gun. Ball bearing gun. <laughs> <laughs> That's a story for another time. <laughs> right. I think that's us. Probably enough, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. We will see you again soon. Thank you for listening. You can find me on Instagram at Mr. David Ian. Also, I don't know why I haven't mentioned my website recently, but you can check out davidian.co.uk or where I'm gigging and everything like that. And uh, I'm Kate Dale, and you can find me on Insta at Katie S. Dale. We will see you again soon. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Mediocre Gay, the podcast. If you enjoy the show, please subscribe and give us a five-star rating. It helps other people find the show. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Mediocre Gay Pod. Or share your mediocre secrets with us on MediocreGayPod at gmail.com.